0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of Maximum Sports. Thank you so much for joining me on another week here talking NFL news and what's going on. A lot of stuff to cover today. Excited about this show. So let's get right to it. Uh, We had the schedule release this week. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little more about our our new price-to-production ratio analytics and and get into some other stuff as well. So thank you so much for joining me. So one of the things with uh, the draft, and we're getting these new rookie contracts coming out, and those are interesting because from round to round, these players vary in price quite a bit, and I'm of the mind that you should, if you don't have your quarterback, you don't just pay any old guy, you can go draft one and keep them young, the young guys are working, and the most important part is the young guys are cheap. And so I've got a few of these contracts that I can play with with our new ratio analytics and kind of compare of the differences of these players so you've got a guy like Tua Tua Tagovailoa went number five pick to the Dolphins and he's going to cost 2.53 percent of the salary cap which is you know compared to a Jared Goff who's 17 percent Jimmy Garoppolo, 12%. Dak is 14%. It, that's a very, still a very cheap contract, even though he was the fifth pick, and he gets a good chunk of money for being a high-round pick. Now, we don't know how Tua is going to be in the NFL. There's a lot of risk involved in drafting these rookies. You don't know how good they are. But at that cost, even if Tua was on our rating scale, even if he was a 1, the worst rating, His that would mean that his uh, price-to-production ratio would be 2.53, which still is better than a Jared Goff that's 4.4, 4, Jimmy Garoppolo that's 3.2, a Dak that's 3.6. It's still way under that. So even if he's awful... The point is they're still going to have a ton of money to plug in players around him for the next four or five years that even, even if he's only a one, which is highly unlikely, he's probably going to be better than a one, especially if you pick him in the first round, even if he's a two or a three, you know, they're going to be able to. Uh, put with that money that they save because they drafted a rookie and played it a rookie young, just like all those teams we've talked about in the past that were so successful doing that. It's a proven track record over the history of, of why this works because these teams have so much money to distribute around these players. It's not necessarily how good the quarterback is. It's how expensive is he? Because most of these guys, are competent enough to play. It's just how how they're being delivered to the NFL now, from college. They're they're just able to play right out of the gate, and a guy like Tua, his biggest risk is injury, but you're just not investing that much in him. You invested a high draft pick. Yes, you invested a decent amount of money, but compared to your overall salary cap, which is around two hundred million. You know, 2.53% of that isn't all that bad. I don't have Joe Burrell's contract yet. It hasn't been updated yet. I don't know the details, but he was the number one pick. He's probably going to be slightly higher paid than Tua, just slightly. But it's going to be the same thing, the same ratio. Um, And so I went through and I wanted to show the differences of later round picks because, I mean, obviously, ideally... You know, after the first round, if you could find a diamond in the rough, like a Russell Wilson, who was in the third round, a Tom Brady, who was in the sixth round, even a Dak, who was in the fourth round, if you can find starting quarterbacks, starting caliber in the later rounds after the first round, they become considerably cheaper, even than the first round picks. And for example, a Drew Locke, who was a second round pick last year for the Broncos. He looks promising. He's probably going to be their starter this year. He's making 0.74% of their salary cap. So Tua is 2.53%. Drew Locke, as a second-round pick, just you know, 30 picks later than Tua in the draft, is making 0.74%. So no matter what, even if he fails, even if he's awful, you're still gonna have so much money to disperse around your roster. And you can try him out and plug him in and have great players around him. It's gonna be hard for him to fail, honestly. He's they're gonna the Broncos have a good future if he can be a quality starter. And so I put Drew Locke right now as a two rating because you know he's he's probably gonna be a starter. One to threes I have are borderline barely making it. And that's kind of what he is right now. He's unproven, but he's probably going to be a starting quarterback. And if John Elway and the Broncos think he can do it, they're going to plug him in. And if that's the case, if he's a 2 rating, then he comes out to be uh, production to price ratio. And that puts him you know right with the Mahomes, Lamar Jacksons, and Russell Wilsons, the great deals that are out there. Now, even better, and this is what Tom Brady had uh, for his first four years in the league, the Patriots hit the jackpot with Tom Brady. He was a sixth-round pick, and so I found Gardner Minshew, a sixth-round pick. He is 0.35% of the Jaguars cap. So that's what Brady had when he won three Super Bowls with the Patriots. He was 0.35% of their cap. And so you have all that money still to spend on elsewhere and that's what the Patriots did. And the Jaguars they were in a little different position because they did pay another quarterback. They paid Blake Bortles and they played Nick paid Nick Foles. So they're they're kind of screwed no matter what for now. But in their future, if Gardner Minshew can become a starter, and that's hypothetical, we don't know if he can or not, I put him at a 2 rating because he did start some games last year. He's not as bad as a 1, but I put him at a 2. 0.35 divided by 2 gives us his price-to-production ratio, and that's 0.18, which would put him second behind Lamar Jackson pretty much. And so, you know, Lamar Jackson has the best price-to-production ratio of anyone I've done the calculation for. And Minshew, because he's a six-round pick, he's not nearly as good as Lamar, but for his price, he gives you what you need. And you can build around him, put tremendous players around him elsewhere, and that's how this whole thing is structured. And so... That's kind of an example with these draft picks, why you should draft your quarterback. That That's why Green Bay, you know, for the last 10 years, they haven't made it back to the Super Bowl. They've been paying Aaron Rodgers, who's a great player, but for his price to his production ratio is not going to get you to another championship. Uh, and it's 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 the math. I mean, it's not to say he can't do it, but most likely he's not going to be able to. And we're seeing his offensive line deteriorate. They can't afford players. They're just paying too much for the guy. Um, and so you're better off. They drafted Love, who Love's going to have a similar contract to a Lamar Jackson at 1.3% of Green Bay's cap. And so even if Love is a you know, four, um, he's still going to have, you know, a .5 uh, price-to-production ratio. And that would put him way better than than what Aaron Rodgers is. And so Green Bay is better off. They should have traded Rodgers already if they knew they were going to draft a quarterback. And they can unload him after one year, a lot like the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. And that's probably, hopefully, what they're going to do. Move off Rodgers, start the young guy, have him cheap, and win. And have a good chance to have a dominant team. And so, you know, with all these analytics and stuff, I think about, you know, subjective and objective analysis with the price-to-production ratio. I think it's important to have both. Because... You know, there's analytics, which is all numbers. It's all database. It's all, you know, numbers don't lie to you. But in sports, it's you know Colin Cowherd. He he calls it analytics. So analytics, he kind of is referring to human nature. You're dealing with with people, and people are not just analytics. It's human nature. And, and then the data, because, you know, like in baseball, they've made it so much just about the data and they run out of, of judging a player by his work ethic or his intangibles. And that's what really it is. It's like the numbers will say one thing, but intangibles stuff you can't measure can say a whole different thing and so that that's something you have to put into your analysis is like a a russell wilson who is undersized for the position but his intangibles outweigh that and so and you know that's his work ethic his leadership his focus his attitude those are things that can't be measured by any database. And so you have to combine also with what you can measure, which is like we talk about in the price to production ratio, the price of a player is is objective. And that is something that you can't question. That's the price, that's how much they cost. Aaron Rodgers costing 35 million a year. And now Dak's gonna cost you 30 million a year. That there's no debating that. So we're trying to find out if those guys are worth that much money. And that's where we come into the subjective, which is their rating. Where do you rate them? And then you so you divide the your objective analysis with your subjective, and that's what's gonna come out to how to where you think they're actually worth that money or not. And you can compare that to the rest of the NFL and the rest of the players. And if you if you're way off, you know, like a Jared Goff is is way off, and Garoppolo's way off, Kirk Cousins, Dak those those guys are way off on their ratios. You you have to start thinking of another plan, and so this is these are guidelines, you know, and it combines analytics and analytics, human nature. How good of a player he is, you know, the subjective analysis of how good he actually is to the objective price that you're paying him. And you have to weigh those things. And so that is the beauty of this price to production ratio. And it it works really well. And so I'm going to use it going forward. We can use it on all kinds of players, you know. And so we'll, we'll do that as things move along here and, you know, the subjective rating will change. Some players will play better than others and some will drop off. And along the lines of that is our next topic here with, you know, the scheduling projections. Um, you know, the schedule came out, it's exciting time, especially you see the primetime games, I mean in the NFL in America I mean we build our Sundays our Thursdays our Mondays we build them around football it's like there's nothing we we schedule that stuff out it's like a holiday every week I mean watching football and so there's nothing else it, the NFL usually takes priority in most households I mean you look at the ratings are outrageous and people plan they plan their whole five months around it, and it's it's uh, amazing. But so when the schedule comes out, you get to see when your teams are playing, when they're playing who, and it's fun. And I think a lot of people try to, that's when they really start to make their predictions. They try to look ahead on that. And, you know, it's funny to me because, Every year I try to do that, and I'll try to make predictions of win-loss records. But then when the teams actually come to play each other on the date, it's completely different. The teams you thought were going to be tough to play all of a sudden are either injury-riddled or not nearly as good as you thought they were going to be. And then opposite, some of the teams you didn't see coming at all are all of a sudden great. You know, like the Rams a couple years ago, no one thought they were going to be that good. Jared Goff was horrible as a rookie. Comes out his second season, they were a great team. All of a sudden, no one thought they were going to be a tough team on their schedule. The Niners last year, at least I, never took them seriously. I didn't think they would be a tough game. And, And then all of a sudden they were. They were one of the toughest games. Uh, the Browns, we talked about Vegas last week, how the, the Browns were the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And just because I mean we knew they weren't gonna be that good, uh, Vegas didn't know, and the Browns were terrible last year. And but a lot of people circled them on their schedule thinking it was gonna be tough. And so, you know, Dallas, they dropped off a bunch last year. The Ravens were much better than people thought they were gonna be. They were one of the best teams, beat everybody. So you just, it's it's really hard to predict. And a lot of these, even the media guys are making their predictions and, and it's just kind of, it's a lot like those mock drafts, you know, it's kind of, it's just kind of silly in a way to, it's fun to do, fun to make those predictions, but I mean, it's, uh, it's sort of irrelevant because these teams are going to change so much that the NFL just changes so drastically. From year to year, usually at least half the teams that made the playoffs like this last year, half of them are going to be different this year. That's the beauty of the NFL. That's what we love. We love the change. I mean, the Patriots, you know, are they going to be as good without Brady? Uh, They might drop off. I don't know. Is Tampa Bay going to be much better with Brady? People seem to think they are. All of a sudden, Tampa Bay has five primetime games. Well, what if Brady just drops off a bunch and isn't any good? I mean, so, you know, Tampa Bay goes from having no primetime games last year to having five this year, which is the maximum you can have. And, hey, people, they they might enjoy that. They might not if it's a total dumpster fire. I mean, I think Tom Brady's going to go from having uh, Bill Belichick to having Bruce Arians, and he's going to kind of see the difference pretty soon. And when they find out that difference, I think that's when maybe he made a mistake. But we're going to find that out. It's going to be fun to see who the surprise teams are. We'll make our predictions, you know, eventually. But there's going to be surprises, and there's going to be surprise drop-offs. I mean, you know, the big things that stand out I think with the schedule you know the AFC East might be the worst division and you know they have the Patriots who might take a step back and especially in terms of being a Super Bowl contender every year the Bills probably the best team in their division I like the Bills but they're not necessarily a juggernaut then you got the Jets and Dolphins and The AFC East is paired with the NFC West, which is, I think, the best division in football, and they're they're just gonna have a struggle. Um, I think that you know an interesting thing with Tom Brady is the fact that he jumped from the AFC to the NFC, and you know Peyton Manning even talked about he was surprised that he jumped conferences. Tom Brady decided to go to the much tougher conference. And for the last 20 years, that division we just talked about, the AFC East, Tom Brady's gotten to play in that division for so long. And it's made a huge difference on the outcome of how many Super Bowls he's been able to go to. And, I mean, it's still impressive that they made it to 10 Super Bowls. But, I mean, they still did lose four of them. And, you know, two of those were to um, Eli Manning. And one was to Nick Foles. So were they really the best team in the NFL in those years? Probably not. And they made it out of a weak division. They made it out of the weaker conference. And now he's going to play in the NFC, which has far more juggernauts, far more great players, far more great defenses. And, man, it's going to be a wake-up call, I think. Tom's going to be happy that he spent the last 20 years on the other side of things. You know, as opposed to, like, a Russell Wilson. I mean, gosh, the teams he plays in his own division represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, it seems like, every year. If it's not the Seahawks going out of the NFC, it's the Rams or the Niners, and even the Cardinals have had some great teams, great defenses, you know, he got Aaron Donald bearing down on him twice a year. Chandler Jones bearing down on him twice a year. Uh, now he's got Nick Bosa to deal with all, all the time. And so, you know, Tom Brady now, he's going to be in playing the Saints, playing Drew Brees, a legitimate team. He's going to be playing the Panthers, legitimate franchise, been to Super Bowls, Atlanta Falcons, been to Super Bowls. You know these teams, Saints have won a Super Bowl. This is not the Bills and the Jets and the Dolphins anymore for Tom to face, and it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult now, and he's forty three, so he's got to overcome that, and Gronk, Gronk's gonna try to save him too, but you know it's it's gonna be tough, Bruce Arians. I mean, it it's gonna be tough, so you know I look at that stuff with the schedule, and you know some of these teams that they say you know have an easier schedule you know i'm looking on on the nfl website you know who they think it has it easy i mean they say the the ravens they say the bucks have it have an easier schedule the browns the bears but the, the, i mean it's just it's all uh it's, it's all speculation and so you never really know uh what you're gonna be facing come you know three or four months from now so um last topic of the day um I wanted to do this episode for a while uh, even since the start but i I've always thought about I call it the gates of ridicule, and it's kind of a a media driven thing, but it's always fascinated me you know with the different positions. And quarterbacks have to act differently than the other positions on the team. Quarterbacks are almost an extension. If you're a true franchise quarterback, you're almost an extension of upper management. You have to kind of be a CEO and how you dictate and and how you talk to the media and, and what you say. And if you try to talk trash or elevate or hype too much you're going to become more of a target than you already are and it opens the gates of ridicule and we can see that over the past several years i mean baker mayfield last year he opened up the gates said a bunch of stuff he probably shouldn't have said was way too outspoken boisterous put a big target on himself and then the players circle that on their calendar the hype train happens and they come after him and they, why put that much more of a target on your back when you don't need to do that? And you know, there's players who, you know, like a, I see a Lamar Jackson, a Patrick Mahomes, or Russell Wilson. These guys, a Dak, you know, these guys in front of a microphone, they they might even get made fun of sometimes for giving cliche answers, or. It's the art of saying saying, stu- saying something without saying anything. And it might be cliche. It might sound robotic. People might be bored with it. But that's what you want. That's what you want with your quarterback. You don't want people to be paying attention to him. If you're paying attention to him, it means he's bringing the attention on himself. He's bringing the spotlight on himself. He's letting his ego come out. And that opens the gates of ridicule, and that makes pass rushers and defenses and everyone want to tee off on you that much more. And, and Aaron Rodgers has opened the gates before. a Cam Newton, you know, the way he acted after losing the Super Bowl was bad. It opened the gates of ridicule. He's never recovered from it. And it is a media thing. It's It's out there, but it does affect these guys' psyche, And they have trouble bouncing back from that. And so I think it's important, especially when you're drafting guys. You know, the guys I see being drafted, I like their temperament. I like what I see when they're being interviewed, their attitudes, how they talk. It's important. And, you you know, other positions, like I talked about, the quarterback's different. Other positions, it can almost be an advantage to to open up the gates or to be boisterous and aggressive, talk trash. I mean, I, I think of Richard Sermon. He was one of the biggest trash talkers ever. He had a target on him, but he was so good, he could, he he backed up his talk. But even so, you know, you can talk trash as a, as a defensive player, especially. You want to bring that intimidation to the field. I think that's important. So talk all the trash you want as a defender. I mean, you know, because there's 11 of you out there and you're only going to be tested so much. Even if you're a corner and you talked a ton of trash and they throw two or three touchdowns on you, you know, yeah, you you might be embarrassed a little bit. But it's nothing like if you're a quarterback, you're touching the ball, and it's that hard of a position already. Why put that much more pressure on yourself? and why make yourself that much more of a target than you already are everyone's already trying to defeat the quarterback and he's by himself you know and so why make it that much harder for an already really difficult position so we'll keep an eye on on the gates of ridicule you know it's going to be an alert you know when when someone gets a little too cocky they're talking a little too much trash as a quarterback i mean you open up the gates of ridicule some players, they do it themselves uh, uh. also, and and we'll see. It'll put the target on them. So it's kind of fun to watch, and, and it makes things that much more interesting. And so a um, little announcement. I think that this, I, I've kind of been playing this. It's been in the works to for the show to take a little hiatus, to take a little break for have a little summer vacation for the show. This is the off season. Not too much more is going to be happening for the next couple months. Uh, June and July. I think this might be the last show until probably August. And so I'll keep you guys up to date. Keep an eye out for episodes just in case because I could if you know, some big breaking news happens or Come up with some other content. We could release some update episodes. And I'll keep you guys. Locked in on that. For when that happens. If I do some interviews with people. We might release those episodes. And. You know just just keep an eye out for the show. It's, it's not going to be a weekly thing. Maybe. For the next couple months. But. I'm still planning on releasing some shows. And so. I appreciate you guys so much for listening, and I look forward to getting back to the regular weekly show probably in August. And so I'll keep you guys updated, and um, everyone stay safe out there, and thank you so much for joining me every week, and I look forward to talking to you guys soon. All right, see ya.